You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The Pride to Detroit POD cast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, and it's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park, and each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions and the POD cast, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. For our listeners, we have a special offer for you. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout. Get you 15% off your order. That's POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You lovely people, you know how to find us. You know what you're supposed to do. We welcome you in to celebrate a Lions victory here after week three on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Wow. I'm Chris Perfett, the adequate host, being very adequate in uh, learning how to speak. It's a new language for me. It's not the language of football, my native tongue. You'll have to forgive me. I am the host and multimedia editor for Pride of Detroit, and joining me as always, Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader, producer of Pride of Detroit, the one who actually has an official title here at Pride of Detroit. Hello, Jeremy. You know what wasn't adequate today? What's that? Lions damn defense. They were well above adequacy. Beyond adequate? Beyond adequate. Beyond adequacy. I didn't know you could do that. So excited to, to talk about it. Joining us as always, Ryan Matthews, the rock god. Senior editor at Ryan underscore POD. People have been asking for the drop to come back. I feel like it's either I put in the drop. People get mad. The drop is there. I take out the drop. People get mad. The drop isn't there. I can't win, Ryan. I can't win. Yeah, I think people were upset when I'm on Ross St. Brown dropped a pass too, though. But you know what? Like all things Lions this week, we're going to overcome and we're going to rise above. That's right. Wow. What a win. Falcons six. Detroit Lions 20 on a game where you look and you think Jared Goff's going to throw a pick. The Lions are only going to score two touchdowns. And that's fine because the age of defense is here in Detroit. The branch that has been planted is a tree upon which all things grow. No, am I, I? I don't think that's how trees work, Jeremy. I no, know, I don't I think know. so either. No, that's not. Uh, grafting. Grafting is maybe what I'm thinking of. Uh, we've got some hell of a studs to talk about when it comes to the defense. But as always, you get started on overall takes here. The Lions improved to two and one and write a lot of concerns, especially about their defense that they had last week against the Seattle Seahawks by beating up on another bird team. So, uh, you know what? I want to start with Ryan this time. I want to start with Ryan's big hot takes from this game. Oh, my big. I don't know if I have any big hot takes, but I I will say that, you know, the old adage is true. Winning cures all. And and I'm sure that this is, you know, much better than the feeling that a lot of Lions fans had after last week's loss to Seattle. So. The the thing I love about this football game today is I can't remember the last time the Lions defense held the football team to six points like that is something that I can't really dig back into my memory banks and think about like, you know, their defense won them that football game like that was my big takeaway. And it, it was one of those moments where, again, 
like I can't remember the last time I walked away from a television after a Lions game and thought, man, it really was the defense that won them this football game unequivocally. No, no asterisk, no, uh, you know, qualifiers, Jeremy, their defense won them this football game point blank. No question. Right. I mean, I would argue that they probably won the, the Chiefs game, too, but you, you did you did say the word asterisk. So I feel like maybe you were referring to that game uh, sneakily. <laughs> but yeah, like uh, the Falcons, who, ha- you know, had one of the best rushing attacks in the NFL, had a, a young quarterback who was starting to change people's minds, got completely shut down in every facet of the game. And just like they had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to get back in that football game, whether it was lines going three and out the lines, gifting them an interception and every single time they never got close. It wasn't, it wasn't just like, Oh, well they missed on this play here or, you know, they did miss a field goal, but if I'm not mistaken, I think they only had one red zone trip the entire game and it still didn't feel like they even got that close to scoring. And so, yeah, it was just a pure dominating defensive effort from, from start to finish. And, and that that's what the like, cause I feel like when the Lions got up three scores, I kind of half expected the the Falcons to go and maybe score a garbage time touchdown. Maybe they, they did score a field goal and this to be like a one score game and, and whatever, like, no, I think the defense came out of that game and they wanted to make a damn statement and say last week wasn't us. That's not us. And so we are going to play you hard. We are going to play you physical for 60 damn minutes. And that's exactly what they did. I believe that this was the matchup the Lions really wanted. And it was a very good game for their defense to have a matchup that was going to play to their strengths. And it was after a very humbling lesson when it comes to how to deal with quarterbacks. Last week, they let Geno Smith throw. They let him sit in the pocket and let him throw this week. They hang up. uh, I'm sorry. How many sacks? Uh, I believe. What was it? Seven Seven. sacks. Seven damn sacks. They've had one in the past two games. That's the difference. That's what happens when you start rattling the cage of a young quarterback like Desmond Ritter, who wasn't who's not like a top quarterback of this game out there. Not only that. But the Atlanta Falcons, who have a very dynamic, very young offense between Kyle Pitts, Drake London, Tyler Algier, Bijan Robinson. And what did you do? You shut down a part of the game that they like to play, which is running the damn ball. You shut that down pretty well. Bijan's damage was limited to like what? An 11 yard long, I believe. 3.3 yards average on the ground. Yeah, 33 and, rushing yards. No. Yeah, so uh, 60 yards total from scrimmage for big Bijan. Not a day that the, that the Falcons can win on that. And yet, I think the Lions need to, they need to rely on their defense more and more, especially as they're still trying to get over some of the woes that have befallen them on offense. I don't think today was the best offensive showing for the Lions. I don't think they'll have too many games like that, hopefully. I think a lot of that comes from their offensive line looking poor because of the injuries that would pour in and one side of the line just really, really struggling. And we'll get to some of that later on. And not having David Montgomery has clearly impacted how much they want to do on the ground game until Jameer Gibbs found his his mojo later on in that game as well. But after Gibbs without Montgomery, there's really no one they can turn to in that regard just yet. But it's good when you can win your games on defense. It's good when you can like, because I'm not going to lie, it's a new feeling. And even when it was 13 to three, or at and then later, uh, yeah, thirteen to three. I felt tight. I'm not gonna lie; it's hard not to feel tight in that situation, knowing that the Lions, that the Falcons, I should say, have in the first couple games this year outscored their opponents very well in the fourth quarter, and that the Lions have start were letting the Falcon, the Seahawks, stick around last week in the fourth quarter. It had all the makings of it, but it doesn't matter because you've got weapons like Aiden Hutchinson and Brian Branch on defense. And they're evolving now and they're looking better and better. Yeah. When we we talked to Michael Rothstein last week, that was one of the things he said about Desmond Ritter is like, if this game is close in the fourth quarter, you guys better watch out because he's been very, very good in that final quarter. And 
Not today he wasn't. Nope. Not today he wasn't. He basically threw an interception to Tracy Walker, who decided, no thanks. Um, but I think I think we I think listen, for as much as everyone was dogging Aaron Glenn last week, it's time to give him some flowers because Absolutely. it wasn't just it wasn't just a matter of changing how they performed. They they changed what they did quite a bit. This is a and and let's not forget, this is a team that lost three significant contributors on defense last week. You lost both your starting safeties. You lost your, your third down weapon in James Houston. And you came out here and dominated. You changed what you did. You did a lot of single high looks, bringing a safety, whether it was Brian Branch or Fatou Melifanu, into the box because you wanted to stop the run and you effectively did. You started putting Jack Campbell on the edge, mixed things around on the defensive front, and it worked. Almost everything worked. To it, it's exact and 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 what has been the one thing that people have complained about Aaron Glenn doesn't make adjustments. He does what he wanted. Like he he he's his own guy now. He's just going to play his own. That's what he wanted to do. He's just going to make everyone do it. Switched it up a ton today, and it all worked. And it all worked. And that is what a good. And listen, I think that's something that this coaching staff doesn't get enough credit for. I've mentioned it a couple times before. This team might not always start out how you'd like but they are not afraid to change what they do. And they've through the two years, they've been a better second half of the year team than a first half of the year team. And now we're already see, starting to see some of the benefits of those adjustments this time early on, because they have a deep team because they have a talented team because they have a team that when you lose starters on defense, they're not sweating it because they have good enough players on the defensive front, good enough players in the back end. Yeah, and I think the other thing to, to that point, Jeremy, is I know that there might be some people who, you know, have, have piled on Aaron Glenn, especially in, in the past week after the Seahawks game, especially. Um, and they might point to the Falcons and say, well, OK, it's a young, inexperienced quarterback. You know, sure. they they should have done that. They should have done X, Y and Z. They should have held the Atlanta Falcons without a touchdown. And, you know, I just scrubbed the last two years of the Dan Campbell era. That's never happened before. Yeah. You know, last time you, you were wondering last time they held a team to six points or less is 2018. Yeah. And Five that's, years. that's been eradicated from my brain for very, you know, obvious reasons. <laughs> sure. Um, but I, I do want to make the point though. The thing that I'm most interested to watch on, on a second playthrough is how much man was Detroit playing versus how much zone were they playing? Because to your point, Jeremy, those are the kind of adjustments that need to be a feather in the cap and people should should recognize and appreciate Aaron Glenn for making from from one week to another. And, and I, this needs to be underlined, put in bold. It needs to be italicized. It needs all the wingdings on either side of it. The Lions run defense is so freaking for real. Yes. Yeah. That here, here's the thing. I thought that the way that Kenneth Walker ran last week was oh my gosh, how did they hold him to 43 rushing yards? Like that was the hardest 43 rushing yards I've ever seen anybody get. Tyler Algiers, 12 yards that he got today were the hardest 12 yards I've seen anybody ever work for <laughs> in their entire lives because of one very specific play. And it's and it's weird, but Tyler Algier was still standing. The play got blown dead, but there were four Lions players. That defense, the way that it swarms and mm -hmm. it, it totally, totally, just stops any kind of early down progression that the offense can get. And it forces them into long stuff. And I mean, news flash, news alert, you know, rookie in or for all intents and purposes, rookie inexperienced quarterback, Desmond Ritter, probably not going to be so good when you're forcing him into long down and distant situations. So and still bringing the pressure on him in those situations in a hellish way. Yeah, I, I just Bijan Robinson, 10 carries, 33 yards. I, no matter how you cut it, you tell any Lions fan that stat line before the game and you're like, we won, oh man. Yeah, they, they won the game. <laughs> and by how it, much if yeah. I can if I can say something about just attitudes and and, and uh, another person, I think kind of surprised me in here. And playing uh, we you know, we keep using the line, uh, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Someone who was comfortable being uncomfortable in this game was Jared Goff. It took him a little bit of time to really. Because you could tell that there was a point where Goff was struggling with half of his offensive line, like 
being down past Dan Skipper and having to play Col- Col- Cor- uh, Colby Sorsdal was not ideal at all. That is not what the Lions want to do at all on their tackle on their tackle position. Injuries just brought them down there because it took Nelson out. It took Skipper out. And suddenly it's like, oh, God, what do we do here? And the Falcons zeroed in on that and started to attack Jared Goff. And Jared Goff was getting hit. And we've talked a lot about how you keep Jared Goff comfy in the pocket. You don't have to worry about him. You had to start worrying a little bit at times because he started to sail the passes here and there. And it was like, okay, he had another interception. It's like, okay, this could be a problem, but he got comfortable being uncomfortable. He was able to run that touchdown in. He was able to make the adjustments he needed late in the game. It didn't look pretty. It didn't look perfect. It doesn't look like the first three quarters Jared Goff you had where he was, you know, making a, he was making 22 completions, but it was good enough. It was good enough to not have those mistakes because there were definitely some moments in the third quarter where it's like the offense isn't getting anything going. I'm kind of terrified here. Yeah, no, I think I think Jared, I think the headline there is is Jared Goff survives his worst quarter. Like by far, that third quarter was the worst quarter I've seen him play in month, maybe a full calendar year. And he'll he'll be the first to admit it. his interception. He said, that's one of the worst throws I've ever made in my career. Yeah. And he was getting hit. I I forget how many. Um, I think the the, the Falcons had about had nine, nine quarterback, quarterback hits. hits. There was that one where I forget the name of the defender, but he came up like behind him and looked like it looked like Goff had rolled something on his leg for a second. And I was kind of worried, but um, no, but yeah, he played he, well. You're, you're right. He hung in there. He, you know, he wasn't fantastic in the second half by any means. He was fantastic in the first half. I mean, I want to underline that too, but um, you know, he, he had that game winning drive and, and granted some of that was Jame- a lot of that was Jameer Gibbs. And, and some of it was just a brilliant play call from Ben Johnson. Cause who was going to expect a third and goal run from Jared Goff. But um, he hung in there and took a lot of hits and and made it on the other side. And so um, it, it it is concerning to see the offense struggle for that long of period. And we've seen it happen a couple times this year where they go a full one to two quarters where it's just where where, where is it? Where is it happening? Why, why isn't anywhere? The running game has not been good for a couple weeks now. Um, it seems like there is probably one very specific reason for that. And we'll we'll talk a little bit more about all the offensive line injuries that are happening and Hopefully some good news that, that might happen later this week yeah. as we head to Packers week. But I do for the think most though, part, I think it's fine. Yeah, I do think, though, Ryan, part of that, too, on the run game is like they were finally getting comfortable with David Montgomery. And here we are in a game without David Montgomery. And it looked like near the end, the Lions were getting comfortable using Jameer Gibbs. But Jameer Gibbs isn't the kind of guy you're just going to be able to send up the middle at times. And they just don't have Zonovan Knight didn't step up to do that. Craig Reynolds didn't really step up to do that. And it took. A lot of element away from the Lions in that regard. Yeah, there are just a few things in that third quarter that I understand if you if you were concerned. I, I mean, I certainly was. I think the thing I was most concerned about is it seemed like Goff's play kind of correlated with that really that nasty hit that he took. Mm-hmm. Um, the interception doesn't happen too far after that. Um, but he starts, sail- it- he starts sailing the ball after taking that hit. Right. He did. Yeah. And it, it was one of those things where it's like, OK, can't. It's funny because I think through so many games, even going back to last year, right? As soon as the Lions kind of caught fire, it was their offense. I mean, the run defense made made improvements last year. Um, but for the most part, each and every game, the Lions were in it because of their offense. And then today there's that third quarter where it's like, oh man, like the Lions offense isn't keeping them in this game. They're not going to keep it two scores. Like can can the Lions, you know, offense get its head out of its butt? But like didn't matter. Defense won the football game. And I, I think the biggest thing that I am not going to get too down about that third quarter is a few things, right? Don't love Jason Kibidna on fourth and one. We we can do something better than that for sure. And that's not even a hindsight thing. That's just Jason Kibinda. Um, but penalties on both of those those drives after that, there oh was boy. the there was the Penesul, uh a lot holding of holding, penalty. A lot of holding. Yep. Yeah. And, and but that moves it from, I mean, on that play. Amon Ra gets a, a you know uh, a gain of seven yards that would have set it up third and three except it's second and twenty now, right? And then on the the very next drive it was again was offensive holding by uh, by Rag now, um, right. yeah. There and there was a, the chop block two penalty on it was Matt Nelson I think right? Yep. Um, but yeah, the I mean on that very next drive like those three drives and especially the you know those are kind of like those three drives in a nutshell where it's like 
oh, like the offense just couldn't survive a first and 20 or a second and 20. And but, you know, they're also not being super aggressive at that point, because I think you're seeing what's on the other side of the field. And it's like our defense can take us home. Like we're just going to like play some mistake free football. One really quick, interesting thing that Dan Campbell said after the game, he's like, we knew there were going to be a lot of flags today. This this officiating crew throws a ton of flags. So hopefully that's not a problem next week. Man, can I know how much I hate hate the officiating crew talk? Can can I I, I, can I end the segment with with my spicy take, Chris? Uh, Real quick, I just wanted to say one thing, like I hope that even though the Lions know they can rely on their defense, they stay aggressive on offense. Oh, yeah. I hope I hope that's by design because I really want to like what what the what the Dolphins did to the Broncos. I want to do that to teams. That's fun. Anyway, go ahead. What, what's your spicy take, Jeremy? My spicy take is that this was more of a statement win than week one. And let me explain. Because how many of y'all were in our chat in our live chat? I'm looking at, at you Twitch right now. How many of y'all were in our live chat claiming that the, the sky was falling, that the defense had no chance that this team was, Glenn, this team was never going to get anywhere with the defense that they were. All of the good graces from that Chiefs win, gone. Everyone was starting to think, maybe Mike Tirico was right. Maybe there was an asterisk. Maybe the only reason we stopped the Chiefs was they were missing their big weapons. Guess what? Lions just made a god dang statement and said, hey, the team that, wasn't, that, that you guys saw last week, that wasn't us. The Seahawks may have gotten our number. That's not who you are. We're going to come in shorthanded on both sides of the ball and give the Atlanta Falcons a whooping. It was not close. The yardage wasn't close. The score wasn't close. This was a good old-fashioned whooping. And and I think this is also shows just how much of a fire this coaching staff can light under this team because the thing I keep thinking about now, the beginning of the week, Dan Campbell, they just come off this, this heartbreaking loss. And what is, what's Dan Campbell's reaction? I hate losing, but I love this. I love being in the mud. I love doubters. I love the challenge, bring on the challenge. And he even said like, he kind he kind of tore into the team this week. He kind of like, he told them like, y'all better fix this. And they responded. And so having a a coaching staff that knows how to pull the right strings and that knows how to pull a team. I, I mean, can this coaching staff prove any more than they have through three years that they can pull this team out of a tailspin? Thankfully, they did it only I, after one game now. I will say this. I am glad we got the Chiefs before this uh, T-Sizzle thing caught on. Um, but you know what? I spite hate you. How did you, how did you fit it in here? <laughs> you well, forced you- that. I am forcing nothing. That is that is from on high. Do do Taylor uh, content. You know what's spicier though than Jeremy's take? Could it possibly be Ryan, the Carolina Reaper, jerky from Righteous Felon? Jer- uh, Ryan Ryan's holding his hand right now, which means I have to unfortunately do this read alone. Um, just doing the heavy unless Jeremy wants to get in. Oh, does Jeremy have he does. He has a no. It's that, time to celebrate. It's time, it's to, time celebrate to celebrate with my okay. favorite flavor of righteous felon beef jerky. Well, you know, I opened up my glove box today and uh, I found I still have one bag of Howland of not Halloween, um, uh of of uh foul Capone. So I'm selling it to the highest bidder. As Jeremy bites into the uh, Maryland Monroe, the crab spice jerky from from Righteous Felon, because Righteous Felon jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at the training facility at Allen Park. And they are celebrating tonight because each two ounce bag of jerky is 16 to 20 grams of protein. Each stick has eight grams. If it's good enough for the Lions and this victory, buddy, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all-natural black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. I just told you about the Fowl Capone. That's maybe just turkey jerky, but it's basil turkey jerky. Maryland Spice, Truffalo Bill, Truffle Oil. They got Biltong, too. I don't even know what that is. It's from South Africa or something. I've never been there. Uh, but anyway, we've also got something else to sweeten the deal for you in, in light of this victory. 
15% off your order. If you go to RighteousFelon.com and use the code POD15, you will get 15% off your order. 15%. That's a lot of money saved on meat. Use it at RighteousFelon.com, code POD15, 15% off your order. When we come back in the Pride of Detroit POD cast, time to deep dive on some players, including a, a, a rising star on the defense. Ooh, buddy. Buddy, 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 buddy. We'll be right back. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pride of Detroit POD cast coming back at you again with more from a wonderful, wonderful Lions victory here, uh, celebrating all of the fun stuff. And we're going to get deep into some player discussions now as I sit here. And as because it is a celebration, I'm going to celebrate with this massive chocolate chip cookie from a bakery from Vegas called Pucks. Which they do for those it's the, the podcast home is not a visual medium. This is about as big and thick as a hockey puck. But I do want to start Hashtag with not an, ad. not an ad, but if they would like to throw us some money, we will be glad to show you again. The first hit's always free. Are we starting with we have to start with Brian Branch? Yeah, 100% it's, it's, we have to talk, start with Brian Branch. It's almost a travesty that we didn't say his name or maybe in the first we did, segment. We were just in the first savoring segment. it. We letting it letting it marinate, stewing the juices. Um, He was everywhere. At one point, I felt like he teleported into the backfield. And looked at Desmond Ritter and said, nothing personal, kiddo. He he was phenomenal. He's He's been a joy to watch since he stepped on the field at Allen Park. Um, he, he's just one of those guys that you knew as soon as you saw him play that he was going to have this big of an impact on the game. He did in the first game, maybe a little bit quiet last week. And listen, it did not start as a great game for Brian Branch in this game. He He, you know, going up against... Um, Kyle Pitts is, is not an easy task and he had some one-on-ones with him where, where Kyle Pitts won. Kyle Pitts had a couple good catches in the first half but the thing about being a, a defensive back in this league is you have to have a short memory and I don't think the Falcons are going to have a short memory of, of, of what Brian Branch did in this game because he just started making play and then stacking another play on top of that and then stacking another play on top of that. And it's, a, it's, it's a, in every phase of the game too, man. He's, he's being so instinctive on run plays to the outside. He's blowing up screens. He's getting his hands on, on, on deep shots. He, he's a tack. He's a safety. He's, he's a defensive back. He's a DB who had three tackles for loss in this game. Right. Right. <laughs> That's that. I mean, that is a very, very telling stat in and of itself. And to me, it's it's the violence in which he plays, the 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 penalty that that absolutely should not have been a penalty, and and if they fine him for that, I think we should all 
pitch in and, and help him. I mean, no, we shouldn't. He's a, he's a professional athlete. He can, he can afford for it, but um, it's just, it's, it's, he's so fun to watch. He's, he's a joy to watch. And when I said at the end of training camp that he is making a case to be the best defender on this team, this is why, because he was the best defender on the team today. Yeah. The, the three tackles for loss that Chris had mentioned, like that's the stat where you go, Oh, those are the instincts, right? Like this is a rookie who's doing this and it's not just like on run plays. It's, it's sniffing out screens. It's, it's blowing stuff up in the backfield the way that he he's been doing it. And like, there's the other thing too, right? Jeremy, like last game, eh, kind of ho-hum from Brian branch. You know what I mean? Like, after having a pick six in the first game, you know what I mean? So it was one of those things where it's like you stack a game like that and just super impressive. I mean, since at least 1994, I saw the stat in Lions PR, like the NFL's only defensive back to produce a game with 10 tackles, three tackles for loss and two pass deflections. Like, okay. Yeah. I mean, that's good. It might be cherry picking stats, but those are all great things. And he made a huge impact on the game today. I think even I think too with the injury to CJ Gardner Johnson as as a blow to this personnel as it is, it has opened it did open up in this game more involvement for Brian Branch to play more snaps, more downs, get get set up in in more packages because he's I think the safety that they're going to look towards now to do yeah. these things. No question. And the one thing that they they told us about Brian Branch from his days in Alabama is. He's a pristine tackler, and yes, he got. And I, I was I don't know if it was Algier or, or, or Bijan that got him one time. There were a lot. Listen, th- those are two really really hard backs to to break down to take down. Oh, but, Malcolm! Malcolm got ran over. Anzalone yeah. got ran over. Like right. big linebackers were getting run over by Falcons running backs. But more often than not, if Brian Branch got his hands on you in this game, it was over. It was over. The, and, the and, form tackle in the background or in the backfield. Yeah. That's awesome. It's great. It just to have someone that reliable who all who's always going to be in the right position. If you're reliable at tackling and you're in the right position all the time, you better not throw the ball his way. You better not run the ball his way because it's over. Um, I also want to give a quick shout out to Tracy Walker, who man, there were a couple of times where I felt like Tracy Walker should have had a pick. Just not <laughs> this was his game. He played well, but in some sense, it also wasn't his game because I could see when he would come down. He's like, I almost had that. I almost had that again. That's that's just the Tracy Walker experience. I unfortunately, I know <laughs> he's, he's gotten the, the moniker Butterfingers and that's certainly not going to change after this game. But listen, like I think both safeties deserve a ton of credit for a lot of people were worried. A lot of people were wondering if if Tracy Walker. Remember, this is his first start off the Achilles. This was a huge game for him. It was 364 days since he tore his Achilles. Uh, so it was a big emotional day for him. And I, I think a lot of people have questions about him in, in terms of his overall playmaking. Like we've we've hyped up Tracy Walker for five, six years here in Detroit or however long he's been here. But he's never really been able to put together a full season where he's made a lot of plays. And I would say this is a a very promising start for him. And if Atumelfanu has maybe made one career start at safety. going to say, yeah. Also a pretty solid game. Not a perfect game by any means, but there was that play where Tracy Walker laid the huge hit that, that, that on, on the Falcons tight end that got him injured. The very next play, it, it was almost iffy doing the exact same thing. Jarred the ball loose on a, a pass over the middle. So um, yeah. for a team that didn't seem like they could stop anything mm. through the air last week, for those two to step up and, and force a couple incompletions was huge. Yeah, I, and I couldn't remember with Iffy or not, but I, I thought he maybe had like a tackle for loss too. Like, if he if he had a couple of like plays where I, I was he, like, he did. oh man, he I was did. Like, he had a tackle for loss in the past defended. Yeah, yep. Yeah, I was just like, man, what no, was it like? You know, rewind to training camp. I'm not expecting Fatu Melafon would be making like impact defensive plays on Sunday. We didn't know if he was going to make the team, right? I know that's <laughs> what I mean. Like, yeah, was this guy even going to be on the roster? Um, speaking of cherry pick stats, but one maybe in a bigger sense. And I feel like each week I have to like make sure we're still giving this guy his credit. First NFL player to produce 10 sacks and three interceptions within the first 20 games of his career. Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah. Nothing bigger than the sack fumble recovery at the end to seal the deal. His second sack 
on the day. But much like we've done in the past with Amon Ross St. Brown, we just have to throw up our hands at some point and say, I don't know what else we can say here. He's doing everything and he's doing everything excellent. Dude, the spin, the spin move sack that he had, like I was worried that he was going to like plant Desmond Ritter into the ground the way he had him up around the neck shoulder area. I was worried for Desmond Ritter, but Chris, you mentioned it. That final play where Hutchinson, I mean, the game was pretty much over, but if you can make a play on defense where you stamp it and you say, yeah, no, it's over game over, right? Aaron Donald in the Super Bowl, right? And I'm not comparing these two moments to one another, but I'm saying, I remember Darius Slay making, you know, game ceiling interceptions. You can put the kind of stuff that elevates you. That's the kind of stuff that puts you into that kind of elite tier of talent that I think all of us coming into the season, were thinking, I don't know, can Hutch make that step? And again, it's one game, but also he wasn't doing that to any scrub. That was Jake Matthews that he was going up against, right? Like this is one of the, like the best left tackles in the NFL in terms of his longevity and everything. Like it was a great game. Yeah. And going back to what he's been doing so far this season too, like I know he didn't really have any stats to show for it too much in the Kansas city game, but you would just see him disrupting things in the backfield in that game. Jawan Taylor is still getting illegal formation penalties. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He hasn't learned his lesson. I don't think he ever will. The the ghost of Aiden Hutchinson will forever haunt him. And I mean, listen, like, Aiden Hutchinson was second in pressures going into this week in the NFL. And so you knew these were going to start coming. And even Aiden Hutchinson was joking after the game, you know, he's saying like, I've, I had these, that, that sack celebration waiting stanky for the past leg, two weeks. And I'm just, the, the stanky leg, the I'm injured into the stanky leg, which is just a, a brilliant move. It's not quite as good as the, the the viral sensation of like oh my knees hurt and then twerking but i i think it's 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 just it, it it's right up there oh gosh yeah okay that's fair <laughs> uh let's i i mean we could keep talking about the defense all day i i mean jack campbell i know had a sack in this game as well and once again jack campbell really showing his worth in everything he, but his 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 yeah. uh, people have been complaining about jameer gibbs not getting enough snaps you're starting to see Jack Campbell snaps go up as well, despite the fact that Derek Barnes is still balling his ass off. Right. Like, can yeah. we can we also just we don't have to talk a lot about it, but just like hit that check mark again. Derek Barnes has had three really good games in a row now. Yeah. yeah. I, are, are we stuffing offense into this, too? We Yeah, we got yeah, it. Well, I want to transition to offense. So sure. I, absolutely. I, I, I know you do, but I got to say one more thing about one more defensive player. Sure. Holy bounce back game for Lee McNeil. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I mean, th- there was the kind of pocket pressure today on on some dropbacks where it's like, oh, that's all up the middle. And who is it? It's Aleem. I know. I, I know Benito actually got home and, and Benito got a sack. Of the game, yeah. Yeah. Which great. But like, I, I think Aleem had two quarterback hits. He had a tackle for loss. I mean, if if you're in the middle of the defense that holds, you know, uh, the Falcons to 20 rushes for 44 yards, like, uh, yeah, big game. And, and Charles Harris, too. But that's it. Okay. And a really good like this is a really good Falcons offensive line. Like Chris Lindstrom yeah. is one of the best guards in the league. You mentioned their left tackle or Jake Matthews, one of the best in the league. Like this was no easy feat. And yeah, this is considering easy, they were going up a bend backup offensive tackles last year and couldn't get any last week and couldn't get anything done. This was like a shock to the system. And I, I, a very welcome one. I know it's the Falcons. And I think some Lions fans have just been like looking at the sticker on the helmet, so to speak, like. And I know some people were were like dismissing what uh, Mike, our friend Mike Rothstein was saying, but like this game aside, the Lions beat up on a very good offense, a very young, very dynamic offense that has a lot of different ways to beat you. Yeah, they held them to six points like that cannot go unstated. Yeah, it is. Unless you're playing the Chicago Bears, it is not easy to hold an NFL team without a touchdown. (laughs) Uh, let's talk about the offense. Um, we talked a little bit about Jared Goff in the first segment, so maybe we set him aside for now. I let's start with Sam Porta. You know what? I was gonna I was gonna go Gibbs, but I almost I want to go Porta first, Laporta first, because uh, or how how was how did one of the broadcasters the other week say it? Ryan Laporta, La Laporta, Laporta. It was Greg Olson. Thank you, Greg. We appreciate the flavor. Um, 
I knew that the Lions always kind of wanted to use tight ends. I just never thought I would get to see that really start to work the way it had. We talk a lot about Amon Ra St. Brown being the go-to weapon in these games for Jared Goff. And Amon Ra St. Brown himself had another 100-yard game and nine reception. But Laporta wasn't far behind on eight receptions for 84 yards, including that unbelievable breakout. And I mean, part of that is just busted damn coverage. But you still got to take it to the house. And I mean, it, it showed like how many deep threat tight ends are there? How many deep threats are you even throwing a 45 yard bomb to? Not a ton because Sam Laporta's got special athleticism that you can trust to. If if there is a break in coverage, you can trust that he's still going to beat it. He, there, there's not going to be a, a safety or a cornerback that's going to come back and, 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 and outrun him to the ball. Um, but yeah, like he's become. I, I, I almost feel like calling him a safety or security blanket is insulting because he's a weapon. He's not he's not a, he's just not there to check down to. He he is a weapon mm-hmm. and he's doing it on a level that rookie tight ends just don't do. How many times this offseason or the, the or TJ Hawkinson's first season or Eric Ebron's first season? How many times were we saying? Brandon you pull back on, for a season. You, yeah, you got to you got to pull well, back the expectations. It's, well, a, it's a rookie tight end. They don't have good outstanding rookie seasons. Wait until year two. Well, guess what? Sam Laporta is breaking every rookie record so far. He's he's the first rookie to have three catches in his first in each of his first three games. He currently leads all NFL tight ends uh, with 18 receptions in his first three games. No, no rookie tight end has ever done that. Let, let's not even let's not even go back through history. Let's just talk about the other tight ends he was up against in this draft. I don't know how much play Michael Mayer is getting, so we're just going to put him aside. Most people talked about Dalton Kincaid out of Utah. He's with the Buffalo Bills right now. He's only had nine. He the <laughs> he he is so far in in three games has had one more reception than Sam Laporta had in this game for sixty nine yards total. Nice. That's what that's that's Laporta's competition. That was the talk we were having between Sam Laporta and Dalton Kincaid. So I I agree with you. He's not a security blanket. And I think this is exactly the kind of offense the Lions want. Now they have a slot receiver in St. Brown and a tight end in Laporta, both of who are great weapons over the middle, Ryan. And then every now and then they can get it to someone out wide. Like that's exactly where they want to be. Yeah, well, I, I think somebody who definitely deserves some credit because they made some really big plays was Khalif. If you talk about a guy who was like playing on the outside, because mm-hmm. um, this was a game where uh, Josh Reynolds and I mean, Marvin Jones, nothing for nothing, no targets, no receptions, no anything. And it's like, OK, like they clearly had a game plan of like, we're going to just attack the middle of the field and every once in a while we'll take a shot. But other than that, like, we're going to play the long possession game. And that's why everybody just felt concerned about the third quarter, right? Is like they couldn't put together, you know, uh, you know, a lengthy possession. But I, oh man, it, I, I think what's so refreshing about it is I don't want to get too far out ahead of my skis, but like if Jamison Williams can come back and just be a reliable threat on the outside in terms of you can stretch the field and you can keep defenses honest it's going to be really big. It's going to be huge for this offense. Yeah. Keep an eighth man out of the box. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when, when golf took that deep shot to Khalif, all, all I could, all me and Eric were thinking about is like, man, if that's JMO, that's six. Yeah. Khalif doesn't have the longest arms. He's got, he's got the little T-Rex arms and it wasn't, it wasn't a, it no, wasn't it, a it still, would, it still would have been a tough catch. Yeah. To make. Yeah. But I couldn't, I couldn't help but think if that's JMO, he probably would have been a little bit further out and he certainly would have had longer arms to pull it in. But, you know, JMO's got catch issues of his own. So who knows if he would have got it before we get I, to, I brought us here. I'm sorry. Before we get to running <laughs> backs, I do want to talk a little bit about the offensive line. Um, mostly just figuring out that tackle situation, Jeremy, because, you know, I think ideal situation, they're going to have Decker back soon enough. Yeah. I think Matt Nelson's played above his reputation so far. And it was evident when you started to go from Matt Nelson to Dan Skipper, then down to Colby Sorstel. I'm not saying Skipper or Sorstel can't be good, but it definitely felt like 
Sorzdola obviously looked like the rookie out here, the one taken like late. And Skipper looks like someone who just came back from the practice squad. And I think we see why they kept Nelson on, on the roster. Yeah, it was, it was a tough situation for both Dan Skipper and Colby Sorzel. Dan Skipper just signed to the team earlier in the week. Like he obviously he knows a lot of the offense because he was here last year and and, and all that. But, um, you know, he just stepped into the door, had to come in and play. And then Colby Sorzel, who's been taking most of his reps at guard all offseason, suddenly has to step in at tackle for his first NFL action. Tough situations there. I'm I'm hopeful that Decker might play this this upcoming week against the Packers. Um, but you know, I, I think the Lions offensive line issues went beyond that. Like they they couldn't run the ball up the middle much in this game. Too often running backs were getting hit in the backfield. Mm-hmm. Um and and lines are gonna have to figure that out because run the run like I said at the top, like the run game has not been good for a couple games now. And we thought that was going to be the identity of this offense. Turns out Jared Goff is the identity of this offense. And um, that's not a bad thing. Listen, it's a passing league and he's playing out of his mind. And, you know, when you have guys like Amon Ron, Sam Laporta and Josh Reynolds stepping up in a, in a big, big way, the offense is still, I mean, not humming along maybe at the, at the levels we, we got accustomed to towards the end of last year, but they've scored 20 points in each game, which is not as easy as it maybe sounds. And, um, you know, I, I I don't necessarily feel like the offense is in a bad place. It's more like, all right, once this once this running game gets going again, then you're going to start seeing some 30 point games again. The other worry about the offensive line right now, and I'm going through it because I know the Lions had 10 penalties total in this game. Yeah. And I know at least what, three or four of them came from the offensive line. Jeremy, I know Matt Nelson had the chop block. Um, I know Sewell had, I think, two holding penalties. That sounds right. And Frank and then, had at least a holding yeah. penalty as well. So yeah, a lot, a lot of penalties on the offensive line today. Not, not the greatest day from the offensive line, but it's like I said, like I, that's why I'm, I think too much of the focus is going to be like, ah, uh, the, it's just, you know, the injuries to the offensive tackle. They'll be fine. No, like there was a lot going on. And, and again, this is a good Falcons defensive line. We, we can't overlook that. They've got mm-hmm. some dudes. Grady Jarrett is a dude. Clay Campbell. I know he's 30, whatever, but they they keep those guys fresh. That's one thing we learned during our first bite is they they rotate those guys a lot and keep them fresh. And so they they don't need those guys to play 70, 80% of the snaps. And, and that means they can give it them all. So hopefully they bounce back next week. But Packers got a pretty good defensive front too. So we'll see. Ryan, we've gone this we've gone about 20 minutes in the segment. We haven't talked about Jameer Gibbs. We haven't. Um kind of feels like how long it took for Jameer Gibbs to like actually have like a really pop-up play in the game too. So like, yeah, we made it through like a segment and a half without talking about Jameer Gibbs. And then, okay, oh yeah, here's Jameer Gibbs where like this guy can just be, you know, lightning in a bottle. He can be a bottle rocket at any moment. And if it wasn't for, what was it, Antoine Green that he ran into on mm-hmm. the long rush play where it's like, oh, that could have been, yeah. <laughs> that could have been a big, big play. Um, But even on that play, like the nimbleness for him to get through holes when they're there. And I think that, like you said, Jeremy, there just wasn't a whole lot of that today. Um, it's going to take, it's going to take for them to be healthy. I think for them to kind of make the kind of holes that Jameer Gibbs can turn to six. And like, I, I just don't know. I mean, he got so many carries, right? Like 17 carries feels like way more than I thought he would have gotten. And I know they really didn't have a lot of other game. options. Yeah. They didn't have a lot of other options, but I don't think that Jameer Gibbs is ever going to be the kind of running back they can just like throw at the middle and hope he hope he like is able to punch through. That's just not who he is at the end of the day. I know they didn't really have options. Craig Reynolds wasn't going. Zonovan Knight wasn't really going, but um, Jason Cabinda surely wasn't going. Yeah, I, I think it brings up an, an interesting like philosophical question about a guy like Jameer Gibbs. Do you have to get him 15 rushes a game for him to hit? by nature, the, the kind of back he is, you know, we, we all like, oh, he's a big play threat. Well, yeah, he's a big play threat, but not literally every single time he runs the ball. Like you need to give him a certain amount of load for him to kind of hit on one of those, because I th- I, I think there is something to kind of the rhythm art argument with a running back. Like you have to get into a rhythm of the game. You have to get a feel for the, the kind of holes that they're opening up, the, the, the kind of players that, you know, you can trail behind. Um, and that's that's I think exactly what happened in this game. He he didn't have a good feel for his offensive line in the first three quarters of this game, and then 
whether it was the offensive line starting to wear down that that Falcons defense or Gibbs being a little bit more in tune with, with, with what he's seeing in front of him, it started happening. He had the 21-yard run. He f- followed up with a 14-yard run. Like It seemed like he was finally kind of in the zone, so to speak. And and sometimes you, you need that kind of rev up period in a game to get there. And so I'm not saying the Lions need to give him 17 carries every game. I don't think the Lions are ever going to do that with a healthy, healthy backfield, but maybe it should be closer to 15 than it should be 10. Yeah, I, I don't have any argument with that. I, I think the one thing that I do want everybody to keep in mind, though, is like I think on a week in, week out basis, you definitely want David Montgomery to be that guy who's getting you know, 18 to 20 plus carries like this isn't going to be ideal. And I don't know, I I guess that kind of leads us maybe into our next segment, right? Like the Packers, like it's such a short turnaround that I don't know. It's tough. Health still a question mark for a lot of guys. Like even more question marks once again with the offensive line here. I know some of those guys came back, you know, just holding their, their helmets. John Kaminsky had a scare here, but let's, Let's take a break. We'll talk about that on the other side because Packers will be here before we know it. And I think that said, I feel like I'm downgrading the Packers a little bit in my mind, but it is in Lambeau. It's a tough place to play. And the Lions have a lot to still prove as the season's early. But hey, Jeremy, we said we just wanted at least two wins out of the first quarter. So I consider the Packers game house money at this point. Listen, they're they're ahead of schedule. I had them starting one and two. So boom, we're good. Two and one. I feel like this is a must-win game for Detroit to go to three, to, go to three and one. I just want them to. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. mathematically, this is a must-win game to get to three and one. That that is yes. true. That is I absolutely will agree true. To those terms. We will break down that very complicated math about why that's a must-win game to go to three and one next on the Pride of Detroit POD Cast. Right, Detroit POD cast. We're wrapping up this episode with a little bit of look ahead, mostly because we, we try not to look ahead too much. We want to save those for first bites. But with Thursday coming faster than we thought, as the Lions are going to play the second of three games they have on their schedule this year on a Thursday, which is a, a new record, I'm sure, Jeremy. I can't think of any other team that has played that's going to play three Thursday games in history. That sounds right. That's that sounds like a fact that I refuse to look up to. So we'll just say it's true. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, Lions are just making history. What can we say uh, in Lambo against the Green Bay Packers, who I did not think looked very good today. Um, somehow they picked up an 18 to 17 win over the New Orleans Saints, all 18 of their points coming in the fourth quarter as Derek Carr had to leave the game. And Jameis Winston. Um, yes, that Jameis Winston returned once more for the New Orleans Saints. I don't know how to read this game for the Packers. I didn't think their running game was very good. I didn't think Jordan Love looked very good. Their defense was fine. But I, this is hard. It's a division game. It's at Lambeau. It's in their building on primetime. Lions are coming off a win. Packers are coming off a win. The two teams have separated themselves early in the NFC North as they are both two and one. And the other two teams are 0 and three, which is very funny. And I don't think there's a lot riding on the line for either team right now. This feels like a little bit of house money to burn this early in the season. Yes, one of these teams could take a very early lead, but they're going to battle each other again at some point for the division down the road. Thanks, and it's so early in the season that it just it it feels like we t- we just talked about it. We wanted the lion we wanted to see the Lions at least 2 and 2 in the first 4 games of this season. Lions are 2 and 1. If they want to go to 3 and 1, that's fine. Go ahead and win this. We would like you to do that. But it does feel like there's a little less pressure on both teams coming into this game. Maybe a little bit more on the Lions just because of the amount of injuries they've suffered, however. But I'm 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 having a real tough time getting a read on what this game will be, knowing that we're talking about it on a Sunday right after both the Packers and Lions have played football games. Well, I mean, 
any division game is big. And I think this is a big, this is a big narrative game, right? It, it might not actually mean all that much because like you said, there's still three months of football to be played after this game. But in terms of like asserting your dominance on this division, whoever wins that football game is going to have a one game lead and the tiebreaker, the current tiebreaker over the other team. It doesn't mean nothing. And it, it like if the Lions can win that game, I think it's it's continuing to set a tone for the season that everything that the that, that has been said about this team in the offseason is for real that they are the favorites to win this division, that this is a team that is taking a big step from nine and eight last year. You win this game in Lambeau. People are, are going to be paying more and more attention to this football team and, and believing that they're for real. Now the, the Packers are also coming into this game beat up. I think that's important to point out too. It's not just the lines that are beat up. David Bakhtiari, I, I don't believe played their left tackle in this game. Aaron Jones didn't play. Christian Watson still hasn't played a single game yet this season. And and you kind of got the sense from both teams this week that like they were like eh, it's a short week. If we if we play them this week, they might not be full health in this game, and they're certainly not going to be full health on Thursday on a short week. Let's rest them, see if we can get them three or four extra days, and get them ready for this big primetime divisional game. And so, I, I wonder if a guy like Taylor Decker, David Montgomery, Kirby Joseph, maybe all three of those guys come back. And same with the Packers, maybe Bakhtiari, maybe Aaron Jones comes back. Maybe Christian Watson makes his debut. Um, it, it, it'll be interesting to see it because it it is it. I, I don't want to make the game out to be any bigger than it is, but it's like I said, it's it's a tone setter for for the division because if I'm not mistaken, there's only been one NFC North battle so far, and I believe it was the the Packers beating the Bears pretty handily. So we haven't had good NFC North team versus good NFC North team. We'll see what happens on Thursday. Yeah, I the way I guess I, I kind of look at it was even these two games. And I think that that discussion about Thursday's game kind of maybe being in the back of their minds a little bit. I kind of viewed these as almost being a package deal. And I really kind of talked myself into uh, before this game, like if the Lions come out of the winning end on either today or next week against the Packers, I'm going to be pretty happy with two and two. Yeah, but I, I don't really view this game so much as house money as if the Lions were to beat the Packers on Thursday. Then when they're playing their 11th game of the schedule and they're playing the Packers at home and it's all the pressures on them, right? Like right. at that point, I mean, if we're talking about the division, that's going to be a super important game for the Pack. I mean, it'll be a big one for the Lions too, obviously, but like if they can win a game at Lambeau the division, because I think another you want to get into all the stupid tiebreakers, but like, like, you know, uh, like opponents, Lions got the win over the Falcons, Falcons beat the Packers. So I I don't know. I, I don't view this game as house money. I view this game as an opportunity to have a big leg up later in the season. Yeah, well, I mean, if the Lions can win this game, being three and one after the first quarter of the season is just about as good as even the most optimistic Lions fans could have imagined after yeah. the first four games, because not only are you three and one, but you have that divisional win. You have a win in Lambeau out of the way, not, and, and listen, we don't have to treat Lambeau like this unbeatable place anymore, right? The Lions no. have won there a couple times, including the last time they were there. It's, this it's not like the, it's cold Lambeau. This is like right. September Lambeau too. <laughs> this isn't yeah. like the frigid tundra. Yeah. And and listen, like the Lions right now, the Lions resume is still pretty darn good. They've played three two and one teams. They've beaten two of them and they took the third to overtime. Like and they didn't get the ball in that overtime. Yeah. And they didn't, you're going to you're going to be a stickler with that one. No, I'm just I'm uh, just saying I think that is an important point. Like I didn't like sure. that they went to overtime, but there is something to be said is if you do play for overtime and you don't get to touch the ball. Like they're bad yeah. overtime rules that and like you, yeah. you lost that game without a chance for your offense to, to, to reply. That's all. That's all. But but yeah, just I think in general to to have <laughs> to have that divisional win against the only divisional opponent that currently has a win would be huge. Absolutely huge. And so um, again, you don't want to make too much out of a game because you're, you're going to set yourself up for disappointment if they lose. Two and two is not a death knell at all. If this if that's where this team is at, because around the corner, by the way, you know, assuming that the Lions can play another game of healthy football, like Jameson's coming, 
you're going to get Josh Pascal back pretty soon. You're, you're going to get Julian Okwara back, which is at least another body. Um, I, I can tell you from practice, he looks like he's probably going to be ready as soon as his four weeks are up, which is after Thursday. You're going to get Decker back. You're going to get Vitae back. They didn't put him on IR for a reason. This team is going to get healthier after a little bump, bump in the road here to start the season. And listen, if you if you hit that bump in the road where you get devastated by injuries early in the season and you come out of it two and two or two and one or three and one, that's a team that's built for adversity. That's a team that has depth. And that's what I've been trying to tell you all this entire offseason. Even when they get hit with the injury bug yesterday, I'm like, they've got starting caliber guys that are going to be coming off their bench. They're going to be okay. So far, yeah. they look okay. Yeah. And, and I, the other thing, too, is you look at their upcoming schedule. I think we can start to like get an understanding of who some of the teams are. Like, I mean, after the Packers game, they're going to get a nice little break and they get to play the Panthers and Oh boy, are the Panthers Panthers. maybe not good. Um, Especially the down JC Horn um, without that cornerback. And then also, you know, Bryce Young, not even playing today, who knows how much they want to push Bryce Young in a season where they start Oh, and three. Right. So, Mm -hmm. and then after that creamsicles, are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers actually like a two and zero football team? I don't know about that. I don't know. We'll, Ravens. We'll I don't know what really. I don't really know what to do with about the Ravens. I thought um, Kyle Hamilton looked pretty good today, but like I don't know Ooh. if I really fear the Ravens as much as past years would be. I, I did like. Uh, I did like seeing Justin Tucker miss a field goal to win it. That was cool. That was very cool. And then the Raiders. Like we're recording this during Sunday Night Football, but. Uh, Right now, with four minutes to go in the third quarter, 23 to seven in favor of the Steelers over the Raiders. Um, Yeah, listen, if I don't I don't like to be circle or mark a a win a month out. But if the Lions can't beat the Raiders on Monday Night Football at Ford Field. What do they what do they deserve? I mean, if they do have Devontae Adams at the end of the day, and that's always a very big obstacle to climb. But at the same time, will he be traded by then? I mean, to Detroit. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. If I had really, if I had really tall hair, I'd record a video of myself saying that. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. But, but like, I, 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 I want to pause just for a second and like recognize how optimistic we are right now compared to where everyone is at last week. I, I guess, I guess that was the point I was going to eventually make too, is like, I I fear with the Packers game, we'll keep swinging back. And if they lose it, we'll keep swinging back and forth with Lions fans between hope, optimism and doom and gloom. And I I want them to win the Packers game, if nothing else, for the fact that I don't want to keep doing the seesaw. Right. (laughs) Like I, I, I am. I am exhausted doing this seesaw i don't want to go come back here next week trying to fend off people saying like well this is why we shouldn't have kept aaron glenn as the defensive coordinator going into the year i i can't i i don't think have we talked we hadn't mentioned this at all this this podcast i we've kind of mentioned it in passing i think jeremy about aaron glenn like correct me if i'm wrong but all this time we spent a lot of time last week people calling for aaron glenn's job and this was the much better. This it no, feels wait. like we're getting into games where it's like this is more Aaron Glenn's specialty. We with the Panthers two, and yeah, it was two hours ago. We did talk a little bit about Aaron. Yeah, Glenn we we and, did. And hit I, on thought, it. I I I realized that. As I'm saying. <laughs> no, that's okay. I'm sorry. It was, adequate, it was literally adequate. two hours ago, so uh, it not your fault for not remembering that. But yeah, uh, again, it it's it's a good reminder of let's let's try not to ride the wave a little bit as much as, as we are as Lions fans. Lambo's going to be a tough place to play. The the Packers are are a decent team. I don't think they're a good team, but they're a decent team that has a good defense. And, up, you know, if the Lions offensive line is beat up, I think that's a mismatch that that could give the Lions a lot of trouble. I think I'm not afraid other- of, of, of Jordan Love, though. I don't think Jordan Love is anywhere near as good as some Packers fans believe him to be. But he has some good weapons over there as well. Christian Watson is a really good player. Aaron if, Jones if is a really Watson good player. Plays, if Watson, if he plays, if Watson he's plays, he's missed the sure. first three games of the but season. But like Dobbs is also not too bad. Aaron Jones, well, I mean, apparently no running back can do anything against this defense right now. So maybe even if he plays, I shouldn't be afraid of that. But there's talent on that team is what I'm trying to say. It's not going to be a walk in the park, but at the same time, I if, think if, the Lions win, need to on defense be very they, they have to play more like the 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 Falcons game 
because I know Jordan Love can be mobile sometimes. He had a rushing touchdown against the Saints. He ran for 39 yards. Don't sit back and worry about what he can do if he gets loose of the pocket. Just go go straight at him. Go get him. Go straight at him. He's he's young and you'll be and not as war war experienced. Like you can absolutely spook him like you did Ritter. Yeah, he's gonna miss some passes like Ritter too. Yeah, I think the Lions defense should definitely play more like they did in the game where they gave up six points (laughs) than the game where they gave up thirty some odd points. Hashtag analysis. John Madden. Final notes before we get on out of here, boys. I will say, can I I just say that I, I, I really do think that if they can keep being the defense that can stop any team's ground game, young quarterbacks like that's not that's not good for you for sure like and that was Desmond Ritter today like I feel like they were probably just asking him to make some throws that he he was sailing passes like left right in the turf yep yeah teen ghost out there I don't think he's it here's the one thing I will say I think at some point you might see Taylor Heineke if they if the if the Atlanta Falcons I feel like there there might be a point where they're like okay look we might be able to just use Bijan and Tyler Algier to like win this division. Can we just get somebody out there who can maybe make a throw or two? I'm not, I'm not writing Desmond Ritter off completely because he was in the same draft class as Malik Willis, but I'm just saying. Don't, don't write off Desmond Ritter. Cause he, he forgot to write you back. Cause he put a return to sender <laughs> address. Right. Uh, Jeremy, final words from you before we get out of here. I just I I wish we weren't coming into a short week here because I feel like Lions fans need to enjoy this win a little bit longer. And, you know, if if they beat the Packers, then then we get to enjoy both in in the same week. But um, another Sunday free of worrying about other games, we can go and spread our wings. We get that no matter what. So, yeah, enjoy for the next. uh, This is technically going to be our first victory Monday. So enjoy your first official victory victory Monday because it was a victory Friday last time. That's true. We had a whole victory weekend there, really. True. All right. Well, for myself, find me on Twitter at Chris Perfett. For Jeremy Reisman at Detroit Online. Ryan Matthews at Ryan underscore POD. It's been a good one, Chavales. And as always, we will see you starside. to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.